just a touch bear. And let's talk about this hunting ban. And we're going to start off that way. So you guys have to stop hunting before Christmas and you've got to take yeah. a mandatory break. Yep. The 23rd, we need to stop and we are not allowed to start again until the 1st of January. Everything is total hunting ban. Can't even go out. Can't even be in the, in the woods with a gun. You can definitely be in the woods, but you can't uh, not with a hound. Right. And is that kind of a, a widely adapted thing over there? Because Ivan, you're from, you're in Switzerland, right? No, he's Norwegian. Oh, you're in, you're in Norway. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we're right. both we're both right in, not terribly far from each other, actually. Oh, perfect. How far are you guys from each other? Um, two three hours drive or something. Yeah, something. Oh. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, we've never actually met face to face but uh i've known who he is for a long time well that's awesome yeah so, so yeah this uh this band shut it all down shut it all down and a lot of the um a lot of the hunting seasons sort of co- co- coincide with the band or with the uh you know with the break that we need to take so the uh the deer uh, moose um what are some of the other things that that end the 23rd First birds ends in the twenty third. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, some yeah. Most of the deers, yes. Reindeer are not so. Of course, uh, they're finished in October. First of October yep. is the last day. So. That's a very. They don't want to push reindeer right. through Christmas. They close that season for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think carrying the meat down in your rucksack in a meter or two of snow is not not the biggest, uh, not the best way doing it. So. I, I think it's good to be finished in October. Yeah, I would imagine. So, Ivan, we might as well get in and introduce you here. And I'm going to let Bear do this because he actually came to me and said he wanted to, to do an interview with you because you're pretty well-established houndsman over there. So why don't we do a quick intro? And I'd like to dig right into, you know, what kind of hunting you do. Because like we were talking about before we started recording, it seems like, you know, you guys cover the gauntlet. It's deer, it's predator, it's everything. Den dogs, running dogs. So, so let's go ahead and introduce Ivan here. Sure. Um, I got to know of Ivan through um, the, local, the local hunting uh, and fishing club. There's a lot of courses that I'm going to be needing to take. I've taken a position in the, um, the board of directors and and most of the courses that I need to take are offered by a, uh, a an education center for hunters and fishermen um, called the Yachta Ofiske Center, which is like the the yeah hunting and fishing center. And the per uh, person who has done a lot of work with that center is Ivan. Awesome. So there's this sort of myriad of courses and seminars and all of this great stuff that. Um, I, I saw this one person's name attached to all of it, and that was Ivan. So I immediately, I he popped into my head immediately when you said that you wanted me to find a few other people to talk to. That uh, this is a guy we definitely need to sit down, sit down and talk to. And he's not just, um, you know, he's not just a desk guy. He's definitely out there hunting a ton, way, way more. You know, I'm 
I'm out four or five days a week and Ivan is like, he's out way more. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's cool. Cause you, why don't we explain that a little bit since we touched on it, I was going to get back to your new position with that, but like this is an actual center where you guys are teaching these skills. I mean, it's seen as a big deal over there to pass on and actually educate, not just offer an opportunity. It seems like. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, about the center, Ivan? Yeah. Perfect. Uh, absolutely. It's uh well, I work for the, the education center, as Barry said. Um, the Hunters Association in Norway have a one education center, uh, and my position there is yeah to arrange and sometimes uh, hold these different courses, classes on different subjects. Um, the main topics that I do is the, the things to uh, about the large carnivores, the bears, wolves. Wolverine links that we have here, um, and also a lot on the on the dog and hound hound section. We have different kind of tracking for wounded game. We have yeah, uh, all kind of of stuff there. So that's the main things I do there. Uh, and as you said, uh, passing on knowledge is uh, in in Norway. Of course, we have a lot of lot of hunters that have their family and they learn everything from their father and their grandfather and everything so on but we also have a lot of new hunters that doesn't have these in the family they want to go hunting but they don't know they they don't have the easy way to knowledge and then uh, then they really want the courses and classes and pretty often we have some things to teach to the guys who has learned it from this father and the grandfather because it's not always it, it's the best knowledge that come there. So, right. so, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, is it a like a free course or is it something where people actually pay to go to? We, we are a company, so we have to take have paid for they have to pay for sure. taking our uh, yeah. classes. So, but it's That's different really. kind of arrangements. We have a lot of people like bear in from their local hunting club. They want to educate him. On different subjects maybe and maybe they pay some of the classes for him to mm-hmm. make more knowledge into the club stuff like that okay. yep so i'm going to be down there and i'm going to be down there in about a month actually doing the um the uh i, I to be a, a hunting dog instructor i've got to go through several courses um to yep. be uh certified and i'm going to be going through the first course starting with the basics in january yeah how long of a course so how long will it take you to go through that bear to where you can be i guess you get your certifications and be able to apply that towards the next generation right well i i think maybe ivan's going to be able to answer that better than i am what's he in for ivan how long is it going to take (laughs) it depends on what he wants to uh, achieve but uh, but for the instructor's courses he has to have a basic course first um and then that's three day Three days, uh, a weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at our place. And then he has to come back for a second weekend for the instructor course that he, that's on the topic he wants to be instructor of uh, and then then do that. That's the, and there's, there's three topics. Is, the, is that correct? Yeah. There's the, in, in there's the livestock the aversion training yeah. and then the um, obedience yeah. and then... The, um, the, the, the search dog training, the, mm-hmm. um, the injured right. wildlife training. Yep. 
Yep. That's the three main. Which is what I'm going to be going. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, that's the three main main uh, subjects we have instructors for in the hunters association, and then yep. we have some classes, of course, that it takes to try to make the guys who are already instructors even better to keep their mm -hmm. knowledge on top and just keep them at their best or make them better. Uh, and we also have some some courses on other topics, but it's uh, mainly the three that Pierre mentioned there as instructors. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I mean, it's kind of, I know we do a lot like here in the States of, you know, youth hunting events where we'll take the kids out hunting or we'll do, you know, an educational field trial or, you know, something like that, but it's on a really, I would say small scale. Now there's clubs that do a big one. I know like the Wisconsin coon hunters, they do a huge event, you know, for youth, right. but it's more of, it's a quick and rapid education. It's not like yep. it's a course or anything like that. So I find that really interesting. You well, know, they do that here as well. I mean, they do in the different clubs and the different, the different hunters organizations. Um, you know, they, the, the position that I just took on the board of directors for my local club is the, is the, uh, the youth coordinator. Oh, cool. And it's going to be exactly that type of thing that you're talking about that I'm going to be um, coordinating. I've got one coming up in five weeks. I think I'm doing an intro to fox hunting. And oh, cool. then um, I'm going to do next fall. Hopefully things will get a little bit easier with this Corona stuff. Next fall, I'm hoping to do a bunch of, I've got duck hunting, uh, roe deer hunting with dogs, um, hare hunting, and then birds and, um, and other small, you know, small. So let me ask you this. You took the position. Now, was this like it is here where you got volunteered? <laughs> or is um, it something you, you were sitting <laughs> out? <laughs> or did you just not show up to a meeting and somebody said your name? No, I, I was, I, they called me into a meeting to discuss my role um as the the hunting dog coordinator because i am also that in this club and i thought that they were just sort of end of the year wanted wanted a little update so i went in all prepared with my little update and uh ended up walking away an hour later not only with the you know with another with another position and having become part of the board so it uh <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Ivan's laughing because he knows it's true, huh? <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's, That's exactly how it works. Almost every every small town or village here has a hunting club like this. So we have it almost all over. All counties have their county clubs, and then they have the smaller clubs underneath there. And yeah. so, so almost everywhere, it's clubs like this. And it's very good. We have the local. They're all connected to the national organization, organization but uh, still, they do all this local stuff that's very very important uh, like yeah. Barry is talking about now and that's then it, you are actually it's not that many people to choose from mm -hmm. so you have to have people that actually says okay i'll do that um yeah that's a them. joke you know 10 percent of the people do 90 percent. it seems like you know the really active ones are very yeah. active and that just seems yeah. how it goes you know and it, it's interesting because you know everybody's busy i mean like we were just talking about the the definition of buried seems to change every day around here. You know, it's just busier and busier and 
you know, finding the time for those clubs is a, it's hard in your day-to-day yeah. life sometimes, you know, but at the same time, like, uh, let's see. So tomorrow, I always forget that these are launching a couple weeks later, but I just recorded a, a podcast with our Houndsman for Heroes Club, which is a 501c3, and we do uh, a veterans hunt every year. So we take two. Is that like a non a nonprofit? Sorry, what the? Yeah, it's a 501c3. Uh, we used to work through a couple other organizations, and we just kind of we wanted to be able to have our own freedom as far as selecting our panel and getting our vets and, and doing our own vetting. Okay. So we started running it under our own 501c3. I right. say our own because I sit on the board. It's no part of W, but, um, you know, that's such a, it's a small group. Right. But we're all super busy, you know, and that's the right. hard part. But it's just like when you're passionate about it, you keep going. And, and it you makes know, it easier to find taking, the time. Yeah, you, you just have to find it. And it's cool to see you know, you guys have these tiers and I'm sure there's a huge support system there, you know, as far as being able to reference to the higher end or, or go to the County club and, and get the support there. Cause I feel the big difference over there. I mean, hunting is huge here in the U S but like we said, European hunters hunt such a broad spectrum. It's a little different situation. Like we all may go deer and elk hunt or do something else, but it's usually not with the same passion as we have for our dogs. At least I know for me, it's not, I enjoy it, but it's not, not the same. So it's interesting to me to see how you guys have it structured over there. And you know, like this is truly something that's valued by the community too. It's hunters are not, I think they're looked at different. Would you guys say that the, the outlook on hunters where you are versus in the U S because Barry, you've got experience both sides. Yeah. Do you think it's a more positive a positive view of hunters? I, I would say yes. Um, it, it's definitely more of a part of the culture here um, than it's become in the United States. You know, you hear, you hear about these things, you know, or hunters getting harassed for being out there, you know, people, people getting attacked while they're out with their dogs, their dogs getting stolen, stuff like that. It's so rare that that happens here because it's just sort of assumed that you're out with your dog, like you're, you're out hunting. That's a, it, there's a sense of normalcy to it here that I think is being lost in certain parts of the United States. It's like going to the grocery um, store. I mean, it's just what you guys right. do. Right. Yeah. Unless, although I did find the sore point on, uh, I, I did find the breaking point of uh, Norwegian hunters and that is uh, hunting squirrels. Hunting squirrels. <laughs> I, I, I brought that up and boy, I don't think I would have gotten more hate mail if I had brought up hunting kitten. Really? It got ugly, man. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing. Like, is, I'm totally in the dark here. Is squirrels like off, off like the limit there? Like, no, no, not really. Not really. Well, I, just, I noticed that. That was on Facebook, I think. Uh, had, I noticed well, that. You, got you can't some... put it on Facebook because you pull out all the trolls right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think he found some trolls, but uh, I definitely but, uh, did. Yeah, but uh, traditionally, it's fuzzy. Traditionally, we have had uh, a really good hunt for squirrels. We had uh, yeah. for the fur; it was a very normal hunt. Uh, uh, but it's nobody does it anymore because we don't get any 
it's not uh, value in the firm anymore. It's right, right. Uh, so it's nobody that does it. I think many, the, the, the years without it has done that people are not used to it in that way. It's taken away the normalcy yeah. of, a lot of it. Do- a lot of dogs are, yeah, a lot, a lot of dogs are really happy to hunt squirrels. So it, I just, I understand, understand why Bear wants to try it. But, uh, but um, yeah, yeah, not everyone was agreeing. Not everybody agreed. That so was... the squirrel's not on a local menu anywhere is what you're saying. It's not. <laughs> oh, it's it, it, people are not used to it. That's the, that's what he, with all the other type of hunting, the, people are so used to it. So it, they know that it's the it's the moose hunt, the red deer hunt, the roe deer hunt. Everything they're they're so used to it, it's so normal. So so everyone knows that this is happening, and they know the date almost that it works. So so how long ago would you say that squirrel hunting was a thing? There, you, you say you guys used to for the fur and yeah, I don't know exactly, but but uh, I think the last thirty years hasn't been any 30. at all. Uh, maybe even more, forty, fifty years, maybe. Uh, wow! So it was, yeah, just after the Second World War, I think that was that was still good for squirrels. But uh, yeah. I think in the seventies, it was mostly the fox and the marten that was uh, was getting any money money for. So then mm. the focus was there, and maybe the squirrel was forgotten a bit, and uh, yeah, something like that. Well, that gives me a little more hope because I was hoping you weren't going to say like 10 years and think that that's <laughs> how fast it goes from oh. being just a normal thing to totally changing a public's perception. Right. So it's been some time. Still the really old hunters now that have, that have the experience with, with squirrels. It's not many left that have it. Really? So because of that bear is there going to be like a, a squirrel hunt coming up or did you get enough um, hate mail that that's not happening I, I i might chill a little bit with the squirrel hunting for a little while keep my head a little lower maybe i wish everybody face. could see your face right now because this is like he's moving it's like uneasy this one was uh <laughs> you must have got some good mail over that one. Oh boy i got uh yeah that was uh that was that actually that actually uh got me my first hunting related Oh really? Was yeah. it a good one? I mean, it was as good as it really. can be. I mean, it was your sort of ig- typical ignorant, you know, why would you kill something so sweet and innocent and small? You're just a murderer. I hope you die. Oh wow! You know, blah blah blah. It was uh, it was it was pretty funny. Well, you should respond back. I, I lost I lost count of I lost count of those. If you just so, <laughs> just so we know it. Ivan's had lots of them. Yeah, that's when you just reply back with a recipe because squirrel is delicious. That's all I'm going to say. That's right. Well, I wanted to, we were talking a little bit about the tiers of these, um, of these hunting clubs and hunting organizations. Um, you know, at, at this point, being as involved with the hunting and fishing center, you're, you're getting pretty high up. Where did, you, where did you start? Did you have a position in one of these local clubs first or, or what? I wasn't even a member. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, I just, uh, well, where did I start? I don't know. Uh, that was probably, yeah, from the, I, I told, tell people that I have one hobby. Uh, that's something. I don't have anything else. It's one track mind. Uh, yeah. So that, that's probably where it started. 
and I were your family yeah. hunters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah. I teach a lot from them, uh, learn a lot from them, and then um, yeah. then uh, I, yeah, I met some people that was almost as interested in hunting as me, and we almost. started to go all over Norway, yeah? <laughs> all over Norway, uh, doing different kind of all kind of hunting. That was like yeah. when, yeah, sixteen, seventeen, cool. eight years old, and just starting to yeah, you can do anything you want really and we started studying as a student and all lectures are of course uh, not you don't have to be there for the lectures you can write reports in the evening and read everything okay. when it's dark and you can go hunting every day uh, not <laughs> maybe maybe the grades would be better if i've been there for all the lectures but we did do a lot a lot of hunting for those years and uh, that's probably where the the, the madness Okay. D's get degrees. You just gotta pass <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. You can every day and pass. You did good. Yeah. So that's probably the where the madness started. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's yeah. After a few years, you get a lot of experience and uh, oh, sure. know a lot of people. And then at some point, people start to ask you, "Can you teach us something? Can you try it?" Sure. So I was hired to keep classes, courses at different places around Norway. Especially mm. for the links, links hunting it was, it was maybe that one kind of hunting that I've done the most, uh, and also it was one kind of hunting that was not so easy for everyone to understand how they should succeed. So, so that that's the first thing maybe. And then um, after a while, I, uh, of course, I have the for the the studies were for wildlife management and and yeah, ecology and stuff like that. So I have okay, the, that was what that's what your I degree have, is in. So I have the, okay. the, the education behind me as well. But uh, then when the, this kind of center was opening, I had to uh, had to apply for a position there as open and that works out. So. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. So what Did kind you, of hunting do you do, Ivan? I mean, it sounds like you kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah, pretty, as much as I can. Um, well, most different kinds we have of hunting. I, of course, I've tried and done pretty much all kind of hunting I think we have in Norway. Uh, different species, different way to hunt them, uh, everything. But of course, uh, for me now, most time is used for the deers in the autumn. Um, and then the, yeah, the carnivores, the, of course, fox hunting in the wintertime, but also, of course, uh, lynx. Uh, and wolves when we get them and uh, yeah, of course in some bear hunting uh, in sweden mostly uh, in august uh, that's early but uh, but that's uh, yeah, just for a week or a few days in august and then it, the season is finished or the, the quota is filled and the season is off so so it's uh, it's uh, yeah most of the hunts for the large carnivores now the last years has been so popular and you have so many people want to do it and better and better dogs and everything so, so so it's it's the few days few very intensive days in the start of the season and then the quotas are filled up very quickly and then we're finished so it's not like 10 years ago we yeah i think we hunted lynx for two months in a stretch i think no no stop can you just go to another area and find another area and find another area and it's still go to there and you can shoot some more yeah like it seemed anymore. like it was um, maybe not in other other places, but I I noticed in Gaustal, um 
you know, right near where I, you know, in the area that I live, that there were quite a few, it took them a long, long time. I'm not even actually sure that they filled their quota last year, which surprised me. Yeah, I know it was probably one of the areas that used the longest time uh, to do it, I think, last year. Uh, but that that depends, of course, a lot of the snow on the on the weather. Is it possible? Uh, something like that. And also, of course, on the hunting teams, and if they're lucky and they're unlucky, uh, how good are their are the hounds? Uh, mm-hmm. If if you have the best hounds and you have the best people that stop the tracking, you always succeed. That's pretty much it uh, for the links. Yeah. But but if you don't don't have that, or or you're unlucky with some of them, uh, yeah, it can take some more time. Now, so what kind you, of dogs are you using? Oh, for we we that's I think was one of the differences in Norway from from the U.S. is that we can use dogs for almost all kind of hunting. Uh, but but for so that's, it's a much broader uh, spectrum. We have a lot of different breeds, different uh, purposes for different breeds. Uh, but for the lynx hunting now, when we're talking about that, so it's mostly I think mostly hounds different kinds of hounds uh, that's I used uh, of course we used the uh, uh, Nordic breeds from the, the Laika breeds uh, yeah, some use the Jem, Jemsen, uh, Jemsen that's the moose dog Swedish moose dog uh, stuff like that but it's more and more hounds I think uh, and then different Russian breeds some breeds from the US some yeah, walkers and some coon hounds, different coon hounds are, are taken over here for that purpose. Uh, and of course, a lot of the Nordic breeds, Nordic hounds, the, fin- the Finnish hound, the Hamilton yep. hound, the hound, the Norwegian breed, and stuff like that. So, so more, but more and more hounds, I think uh, most people think succeed more with the hounds that take the the, the cold tracks and can really find yeah. the links every time. Uh, yeah. Mostly of the the, the like breeds and stuff like that aren't that good. They of course they can take the track, but but most of them are not so happy to do it. But the hound does it much easier, mm-hmm. and of course it's much yeah. more fun for the people sitting around, uh, sitting on their stands and hear the hear the sound of the hounds coming out oh, out yeah. the hills. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, that's much better, much more excitement, and it's much easier for the stands around it. Of course, so sure. I think more and more hounds. What do you and, have? At the moment, um, the dog, the dog collection. Is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for for um, the hounds, I have two hounds now. That's the Russian breed, uh, both of them. Uh, or it's the, the the old one is a mixed breed actually, but it's mostly from the Russian breed. Uh, I think it's called Anglo-Saxon or Anglo-Russian hound or something like that in English. Uh, hmm. um, is it um, also? Russisk stöver. That's the Russisk flecket stöver in Norwegian. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's the other Russian one. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the, the hounds hounds we have now. Um, okay. Have a like a uh, for mostly now for a moose dog. Uh, we have um, a Brittany for a pointing dog mm-hmm. for forest birds, uh, and we have. Uh, yeah, fox terrier, wirehead fox terrier. That's actually not the hunting dog, just the show dog. And then we have okay. uh, five German yak terriers now. Uh, for... <laughs> wow. That's a hurricane. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. So we have used them for deers, used them for wild boars in Sweden. Uh, we have 
I think around in Sweden, so we go there. Um, wow. And um, we use them for tracking wounded game. We use them underground and dens for foxes mainly. Uh, also been to to Finland doing raccoon dogs to the uh, stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Those Yag Terriers, man, they are they are something. Like a true working Yag is unlike what most people have ever seen. <laughs> I know, like my wife's grandfather, that's pretty much what he hunted. And, you know, that dog ranked higher than the grandkids. <laughs> I mean, that dog, he, he was fur, feather, blood trailing, everything. Just, you know, yeah. utilitarian dog. Mm. And I wanted one so bad for, for years. I thought, man, I got to get me one of these things. Until I went hunting with my friend, Tim Cook. And we went on a bobcat hunt. And he had this little tiny female. Yag Terrier, you know, she was young, probably like six, seven months old. And he had told me, you know, she's running these bobcats with my hounds as best she can. You know, she's little. Well, we left her in the truck going down to a tree. And when we came back, she had chewed through the Red Bull can and had consumed an entire Red Bull. And that pretty much cured me of uh, wanting to (laughs) die. They were wild at first. And that dog came unhinged. I yucked on Red Bull that probably pretty much the worst thing of meat. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I was not uh, not on the yag train after that one so much. The, the hunting but we do have we do do still have some here in the States and there is a a pretty adamant club that really holds those dogs true to the, the standard and, and breeding mm-hmm. for purpose. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like I kind of compare them to the Vishla Club you know, there was such a small mm-hmm. population of Vishlas after the war and they were so big on that dual purpose because, you know, my background, we come from hunting and showing. And it sounds like you said you've got a Fox Terrier you show. Is mm. that what you were saying, Ivan? All, all of the, all of the dogs we, we have, we go to the shows with mm-hmm. and the Yacht Terriers, everything. So we also do that. That's uh, we don't do them. Um, Big, we don't do the much breeding, but we have some litters sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. and we really try to have them done both hunting tests and and be doing on shows to show that they're that's how they're supposed to be mm-hmm. and the dogs they breed. So that's the that's the goal when we first breed them. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the clubs that are truly out there trying to to put that out in front of people and show that you can breed a dual purpose dog, you know, is really cool. Cause it's constant hunt dogs, show dogs. It seems like, mm. you know, and they're always back and forth. And, you know, my thing is if a dog's built right, it's going to perform right. If it's yeah. confirmationally sound, it's going to perform better for you in the field and it's going to give you longer service. You know, that dog's going to hold up till let's say seven, eight, nine years old, instead of being broke down and done it four or five. Absolutely. So it's interesting to hear that you know you guys show them over there as well hmm. we, we've done we've been around all europe pretty much to show them um, yeah and done some hunting tests in yeah norway sweden finland place uh, so uh, yeah we've done a done some work to get them yeah to show how good they're supposed to be and mm-hmm. of course sometimes they're not good enough and then maybe you don't breed them that's that's easy it could be a hunting dog and you can use them of course but but it's not not it's breeding. Not, maybe not the best dog to breed, and then you find a better one. Right. That's uh, refreshing to hear because I think that hits a big point. Is it? It doesn't make them unusable. 
or it doesn't mean they aren't a, a good dog, but it doesn't mean that they bring to the table what's required to breed also. And I think sometimes that line gets blurred with either kennel blindness or color blindness or whatever, you know, it's uh Brett Williams once told me your, your best dog is not always your best reproducer. And oh, that's true. You know, it's hard. It's that fine line of, you know, you got to have something that's going to bring it to the table and, mm-hmm. and better that breed. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a dog breeding is such a crapshoot. And I find it so interesting, <laughs> you know, at people's different mindsets on it and what they look for and what they bring in. But how did you end up with five of them though? So can you run more Jags, like terrier style dogs than you can hounds? Because I know there's restrictions on how many yeah. dogs you guys can run. Yeah. It's, uh, it's in some kind of hunts, it's restricted, but it's not in most hunts. It's not really restricted, but we don't have the, we don't have the tradition for running many hounds uh, or many uh, at the time. Uh, that's not, that's not, that's not the pack. The pack hunt is not in Europe. Pack hounds very normal for some kind of hunt in, in, uh, UK, it's normal for the foxhound and the uh, foxhounds there. Very normal with the packhound in the US, but in 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 the Nordic countries, not not usual at all. Not a tradition at all. Usually we have one dog, and the one dog should do the whole work. That's pretty much some kind of hunt. Sometimes you use two that have one backup dog, uh, but but um, so so we use the, the Octarius all all our dogs really. We we use them mostly separately one at a time or sometimes two if they need a backup for for example with the wild boars if you know you're going into a really thick bad place and you know it's some wild boars in there and it's they have it's it's good for them to have a backup and have be yeah. they, they move the wild boars easier uh, make them run faster than them do uh, and they're a bit of safety uh, mm-hmm. if, if one dog is run over you have one other that makes the boar move so that's uh, that's a good, yeah. but uh, but usually we do them one one at a time. Gotcha. So you've got boars over there too. You guys really can hunt about everything, can't you? <laughs> yeah, we have to go mostly to Sweden to find the high number of boars. We have a little bit in Norway, but not much still. It's coming more and more, but but not many. But uh, more and just, more. Yeah. yeah, coming all the way up to. Now are these like the Russian boars? Uh, actually, it's, uh, it's at some point it's European boars actually that come into Sweden or they have been transported in Sweden and they have had them in big fences yeah. uh, actually uh, from the early start. And at some point, some fences were broken and some yeah ever came outside. And then uh, we have a Swedish population pretty much that are, are more isolated uh, to Sweden that's coming into Norway now. We have no no boars. Mm-hmm far north so they're not possible to, to they haven't done any crossings from russia and you know, into finland and, and sweden yet but they have they will do but it takes time still they're coming into southern finland now and they're half the way up sweden pretty much yeah. so is that something that you guys are managing or they kind of seem like they are here like feral pigs we can just it's it's a blank check all you can yeah. take, you know, because they cause so much damage for the ranchers and right. Yeah. The same over there. It's not as bad as the in US, I think. It's not that 
big a problem, but but they they do damage and they do a lot of damage some places in Sweden. Then uh, Norway, we don't have a really mm-hmm. high number still, so we do not have the really big damage. But in Sweden, we have uh, it, it's a lot of damage in some areas, and the management are very yeah, difficult. And you have the farmers that want no bores at all, and you have want the, the landowners that want to. To sell the boar hunting, and then you have the hunters that want really pretty much yeah. as many boars as possible, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you have to find uh, somewhere in between uh, to make it work. So mm. it's not uh, not the easiest manage but management, but it's uh, it's done and it uh, it works in most of Sweden. Yet in some areas it still trouble, but it's not as bad as in in the US and the and the hogs. No, it's not that. Sure. Yeah, and in, uh, here in Norway, they're black. You know, they're blacklisted here in Norway, so there's no um, there's no limit to the uh, to when you can hunt them. There's no season; it's open season all the time. But they have limits on uh, what kind of animal you can take. For example, you can't take you can't take a sow with piglets. Piglets, hmm. but um, you can take the piglets. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really so. You can take the piglet. There's no like age restriction on what you can take. You just can't take a sow. And I understand the logic behind that. I mean, you know, just leave them. That's the ethics. Yeah, yeah that's the ethics that makes it. So that kind of rule. So you just you don't take the yeah the mother from the sure from the small ones. But uh, as soon as they're big enough to uh, keep on themselves, that then you can take it. But then mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. So, and I know we've talked before, Bear, and I think we touched on it with Rasmus about the public land situation, but do you guys have mm-hmm. private land that you can lease or, or is it pretty much all public that you're hunting, Ivan? Oh, it's, uh, I think in Norway still, at least southern parts of Norway, in most land are private and not public. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, in some areas, it's quite big public land, but most of them are Many of those areas are areas are in the mountains, so it's maybe maybe the grouse hunting and stuff like that. You, you can get from the hunting on the the public land. Uh, you still have to buy it or buy a license of, uh, mm-hmm. that or, or rent it. But uh, but most areas we hunt is is private owned. Uh, so you have to go at least when we do the for the hunting for the lynx or the wolves and stuff like that. We have to have the landowner's permission and. Sometimes uh, here you have a lot, a lot of small farms that have small areas, small bits of land each, right. and you have a lot, a lot, a lot of landowners to talk to. Uh, <laughs> you cover a lot of properties. Oh yes, you have a few hundred for just one one village, and then you have to. So that's sometimes it's a really yeah. big job uh, doing doing that and making all the permits, having all the permits to to. to uh, do those kind of hunting but that is that is a big job and it can also be very expensive yeah sometimes yeah. it is yeah. i would imagine because i know like in talks that i've had with my father-in-law and and some of my wife's family you know when they used to lease properties so they would like lease farmland for the hunting rights but they were kind of explaining that beyond the game you know, being able to take something, let's say you have a license and you can legally take this animal beyond just that tag system. It was more of a management where like, if you have a farmer 
and he's experiencing crop damage because you are not doing your part as harvesting and keeping that that ecosystem in check and that population in check then you know you would have to basically help cover the cost for damaged crops or things like that is that anything you you've ever heard of or seen or more common am i maybe misunderstanding how that works oh that's that's not i think that's the common way to do it in europe uh, in other parts of europe uh, mm-hmm. here we have we don't have that number of of game really uh, sure. that's not, not there that's fewer most areas are have fewer number lower number of games so so we don't have as much trouble with that and that's we have more like a tag system we have a quota for many of the at least all of the deers and so you have to yeah you get to take this many of each kind uh, and that's how many you're allowed to take and uh, if you don't take everything everyone is pretty much your problem Uh, most of the areas have that Uh, some areas have for example, with moose, you have damage on the forest, on, on the woodlands, um, and some landowners there wants the quotas filled every every year. So maybe there could be, yeah, trouble if you don't shoot your most of it at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, yeah. yeah, usually it's more like a tag system. Uh, what we have here. Okay. Yep. No, Interesting. Um, well, yeah. that. No, it's 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 an interesting system. You know, it's. Um, it in some ways it's it's extremely complicated you know it's as ivan said you know you you end up having to talk to a lot of landowners and really be very aware of where you are in the terrain Mm -hmm. you know at all times but in in other ways it's you know that there are still rules and laws in place that make it so easy to be a hunter here in norway you know like for example i never have to worry about if my dogs end up moving into another terrain mm-hmm. because I, you know, I can just unload my rifle and go and get them. And it's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world, you know? And, and I really like that. I really like that. I don't have to, Norway's got a very, very different attitude when it comes to private property, property and trespassing, that kind of thing mm-hmm. than, um, than the United States has. It, it makes it easy to be a hunter here, especially easy to be a hound or a, a dog, a hunter with dogs. I think that's refreshing though. I it's mean, nice. because yeah. it, like there are parts of the U S that, I mean, what we do is common, you know, especially the South and, you know, the bear hunters up in the, the Northeast and things like that. But like where I live in Oregon, there are lots of people like, I'll just have general conversations. Let's say I ran into somebody at my kid's school the other day. And we were talking and the comment was made, well, it's too bad you can't use your hounds. Well, it's just this general mm-hmm. misconception that, you know, we can, we just can't do what we used to do. Like we can't run bear in Oregon anymore. We can't run lion, right. but it doesn't mean that our traditions and our lifestyles are dead and gone. You know, we're not labeled as outlaws. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be, I'll say, we should not be labeled as that. But people see a hound dog and they still think back to, you know, bear and lion days and they just can't grasp the concept sure. that you go out and hunt other things. So it's, you get kind right. of this weird pushback from some people and then other people are very inviting. I mean, even just within our own state, you go to different regions, 
like where we went for that bobcat hunt, you go Central Oregon and you're a hound hunter and you've got 10,000 friends. Every gas station you pull into, there's somebody talking to you and wanting to know about the dogs or, or, or what you're doing, oh, sure. how it works. And then you go other places and I just like keep my head straight forward and throttle down through it until we get to the next part of the state. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really weird, you know, such a different dichotomy just in this little area. But yeah, for you know, sure. I think that's where education plays a big part and hearing about your guys's, your company and these programs. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like you guys are really investing not only in like all the wildlife and doing the, the study and the research and, and seeing it as a resource, but you see new hunters as a resource and just being able to get the boots on the ground and get these people taught and get a basic knowledge. And I mean, it even sounds like there's a support system after that. Like that's where the smaller clubs come into play is that constant yeah. interaction. It's a pretty cool thing, mm -hmm. you know, and we, we try to do things like that here in the States and there's some very successful organizations that kind of have that going on. It's just such a broad, broad area across so many game species. It's, it's interesting to hear yeah. the differences between the two. It's, I think in that way, it makes it a little bit easier um, to become a, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't hunt really much at all in when I lived in the States. It wasn't until after I came, uh, until after I came to Norway that I got into, got into hunting, got into, into the hounds. I'd been doing the do the sled dogs for all of the, all of those years and things like that. And it's, it's, I, I really appreciate it a little bit like Ivan was talking about earlier, I really appreciated not coming from a, from a hunting family, living in a country where I didn't know the traditions or anything, <laughs> being able to find a, an organization where I could get the information that I needed and the, uh, and be sort of taught how things were supposed to be supposed to be done. And, you know, that was, that was invaluable for me. I think it may have been, I think I probably still would have done it, but I could see how it would have been extremely daunting for, for some people. I could see that. But one thing that I, I was reading, Ivan, that really interested me was you do like a, a, a hunting dog mentality test. Yeah. Can What's you explain that? what is that? It's really, I think, uh, same test. I think you have it in the U.S., you have it everywhere. That's the same test as the uh, uh, army use for their dogs when they choose their dogs, which are or the same as the police dog, same as the police dogs have to do. And they choose them when they're one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old. They know, want to know if you're up to the task you're going to do or not. That, uh, and okay. then after a test, you can, you can see. Do you have the, the skills? Do you have the, what it takes to do your task? Um, and if you have it, you go further on with the training and you get to be a police dog or you get to have the uh, narcotics dog or stuff like that. And just the same test we use for the hunting dogs. Of course, we don't want the same results mm -hmm. as the police dog because that's pretty badass dogs. Uh, some of the some oh, of yeah. dogs in there that work. So I don't want a dog like that at all. Uh, <laughs> but, they got right. a job and, and it's not what we do. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but uh, you, you can see, we try to pretty much make a map of what's inside the head of a dog. Uh, and how, do you, how do you do that? Like, what kind of things are you putting the dogs 
we put them like in different what, what kind of things are you testing yeah we, we put them in different situations and we see how they react uh, and the the, the, the we, we that do does the evaluation of the dog we we see what how the dog um, are affected by the different situations um, that could be a situation. Can you give me an example of a situation? Yeah. Is it like a like a, a big bear or you yeah, show it's, them? It's, a... not, it's, it's not a bear, but uh, we, ha we have uh, situations with uh, new people, strange people, that people are have behaving a bit unusual. Uh, we have uh, things that are triggering the, the hunting passion. I think they have to want to chase, uh, see how they chase them. Uh, are they doing the, do they track them? Do they, how, how intense are they in their hunting? And that says something about the hunting person. Not not everything, but it says something. And we have situations that are scary, that are threatening, that are yeah people that or or not all. Sometimes we we dress up so we you don't really see it people. You just see it, uh, something coming towards you and are threatening you. Uh, and see how do you react? Do you respond? Do you go away? Uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, so different kind of of situations uh, we put them in and the total of the whole picture we get after the test like, like uh, 10 or 11 stations i think with different things we different situations we put them in um, okay. and afterwards we can see the the picture total picture and some dogs are we have to stop on the halfway through we see that they can't take anymore they they, they don't handle this uh, and we okay. have to say okay you now we, we don't want we don't we don't do it for 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 uh, the wrong reason we don't want to do it for breaking the dog we just we don't we have we want the owner to see the most of his dog and learn the most of his dog and then every station we we use some time afterwards to 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 make the dog go back to normal if it's affected by a thing that could be scary uh, and then we try to test different kind of dogs different type of dogs have done good work. We, we started this for trying to find better bear dogs because bear dogs are not, it's not a lot of good bear dogs in Norway. And we have the situations every summer or we have, we don't have that much bears, but we have a few bears that makes a bit of a mess in the summertime taking yeah. sheep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we need a good dog to find that bear and take out that bear. And when we don't have right. the big numbers, we don't have the good dogs. You have to go yeah. to Sweden. You get the good dogs, but in Norway we we yeah. have a yeah, what could you say? We have five really good bear dogs in Norway. Ten maybe in all of Norway in total. Of course, really? we have more dogs that are shot a bear for, but that doesn't right. mean they're really good dogs. Uh, so right. there's a difference between a that, dog that'll chase a bear and a bear dog. Is what I yeah, yeah, yeah. same with fox or cats. You know, yeah. there's a lot of dogs that'll chase, but to be a true specified you know yeah. expert in that i knew a cocker spaniel that got swatted by a bear it was chasing i don't i wouldn't call that dog a bear dog <laughs> right <laughs> no, no exactly so, so then we try to find the do this test and try to find the the dogs are that have the right mentality that have the right head to manage the mm. bears because that's the main problem right. with the bears the, i think Rasmus said it is uh, yeah some bears they really cure dogs for chasing them yeah. uh, yeah, sure. never, never again. Well, uh, so that's that's trying to for find. For example, uh, in a situation like what you were talking about, where you would stop a dog halfway through, yeah, because it was just 
Hmm. What, what would that tell you about, I mean, obviously it would tell you that that dog maybe was not as mentally stable, mentally strong as, as you would need for bears, but would that, that, what would that tell you about a, a dog in terms of its, its usefulness in other areas, hunting other kind of game? Yeah, because it depends on what, what the goal with that dog, what, what you want this dog to right. do. And it, even okay. if you have to stop halfway through, it doesn't mean that they can't be a hunting dog, but, but maybe not for the hardest task, the diff, most different, the most difficult uh, hunt or, or species. Uh, mm-hmm. Become a tracking dog isn't a very difficult. To become actually be a moose dog, not very difficult. Uh, you stand on 30 meters away from the moose and say, Woo-hoo! it's not, uh, not the worst uh, thing uh, compared to standing three meters away from a bear inside a thick, thick bush wow. and keep it there for hours. That's a very different task. Um, sure. So, so uh, um, yeah, um, you have to, that's why we started with this, just to try to find these individuals with the right head at maybe one year old. So you can say that this is something that has, uh, this is a good possibility to get a, a bear dog. And this, you can put three more years of practice to get it or to become a really good dog. Uh, and maybe not use sure. three dog, three more years on the other dog that maybe it come, goes through the test, but it, you see that it's not the courage you need. But that's, that's the fascinating thing, the, seeing the dogs that are, that are really good bear dogs and put them in tests. And they're not, and you can't really scare them. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible mm-hmm. to scare them. Of course, they take one step back if something comes towards them, but one second, two seconds later, they've just understood that this is no, no, nothing to worry about. They're just back on the go straight for it, but just test you out. Is it something difficult? No, this is just the people, just, just a person. It's just a figure. It's, not, it's nothing, no problem. And they're finished. And they just go, go on. Next, That's next really test. interesting. So that's really really just an evaluation system. Yeah, that's a, we we don't have really a pass not pass uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing on this. It's, um, the important thing is you as a dog owner has to learn as much much as possible about your dog. That's the that's right. the goal we have. Was... And of course we can we can recommend something from what we see and we see that maybe this is not the best dog to to do the bears for this task. Right. Was the performance in this in this test did that influence the breeds that you have now at your house? Like was it the the performance in this kind of a test that made you go with the with the Russian fleck um uh, hounds or the or the not the not really not, I, I did I did the test the first with the, my first hound, the old one now. Uh I did the did the, the test with him uh, at one year. He was one year old. Um, and it was pro- from puppy and up to one year. I thought, yeah, this is not going to be a good hunting dog. He's afraid of anything. Uh, the most scary thing he's ever seen is a, a small chick that's from a pheasant chick in the, that was sitting in the hand. And it was so scared of this chick. <laughs> it was oh so, oh, that was crazy dangerous. And I was just hiding behind them. It was a very, very big problem. I thought, okay, this is not, this is not the best. <laughs> this is not the best start. Uh, he's not going to be a really good dog. Uh, 
and I took him yeah, about one years old. He took this test, uh, uh, and of course he was scared of things, and he barked and barking on the figures and stuff like that. But but okay, he he get along and and go through the different situations. It's not so bad, and it's become a situation that does a people a person dressed up that does that are trying to threaten and is trying to play mm. and is trying to threaten and is trying to play. And and at one point there, he just walked one meter ahead of me and just looked at the person and said, you stay there. It's okay. I don't want you any closer. You stay there. I didn't attack him or anything, but he just showed me that, oh, maybe it's a little bit more in this dog than I've seen so far. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, he's not the most, it's not the most, uh, most courage in that dog. That's for sure. He's not a bear dog. He uh, doesn't have that. But they have the hunting passion crazy high. Uh, and he, and he has the the, the uh, yeah he 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 handles most situations with with the game. Uh, so for cool. links, uh, he, he yeah, become a real pretty good dog. He shot a lot of links for him, and he's taken in taken his part of part beating from the links, and he doesn't really care. He just keep on. Uh, he's not scared at all. Um, he tracked wolves. Okay, he track bears pretty much in, in a leash. We can track and he has have he has chased bear, but uh, after ten minutes standing with the bear, it's uh, not so good anymore. Uh, exactly. So, no, <laughs> but that's alone, of course. It's, with one more dog, it would help a lot. So, so not not hopeless, but uh, not the most courage there. So, um, so that's that's sure. uh, but uh, but still, they can see after a test like that. I can see that it's a bit more in him than I have seen so far. And we have tested most sure. of the dogs we have at home, the Arc Terriers as well. Most of them we have tested on this test. And it's really cool to see because here you also can see if you have an individual that can't handle stuff. We have situations where where dogs are have, are biting the, the, the figures or biting the people that are trying to threaten them, yeah. uh, attacking and stuff like that. And you see the behavior you don't want in a dog. And, and with the yeah. Terriers, it's very good to see all our Terriers that have done this, have done it perfectly. They, they, you have nothing, no aggression at all to see in, 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 the, in the situation. So that's what we want to see. But we have had others, uh, and the Jack Terriers are, of course, known for, for, for being a bit too much sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, and <laughs> they, they see that in that test. Uh, and we have had other Jack Terriers that have gone, yeah, in, in the leg from the, from the from the people that are yeah doing the threatening thing or stuff like that, it is smack in the leg or or goes in the in the wood plates from the figures that the yeah so that's not not good at all. Uh, but uh, but it's very good to see that you have the right head, you have the courage, you have the passion. Yeah. But you you can't they you can't really put them off. They still have they handle all situations. That's that's a very good thing to see. See, and I think that's right. I I guess I'm kind of one of the weird guys. Like when I think about dogs or tracks or things like that, I like to think beyond, okay, say here's a track in the snow. Okay. Time is just one factor of how that track is going to be able to run. You've got humidity, mm -hmm. you've got evaporation, you've got all kinds of things. And that, that's kind of what makes, makes me tick. I just always kind of want to know like, why didn't we run this track when I know it can't be more than X amount of hours old? We've ran tracks this old before. Is it barometric pressure? Is it this or that? And, you know, not everybody does that. They, they kind of like to go and just have fun where 
to me, it's like, I don't mind getting beat, but I want to know why I got beat and yeah, what, yeah. what situation, you know, caused that. And I think right. like you're talking about these honest evaluations when it comes to evaluating a dog, especially one that you own, it's extremely hard to be honest uh, because you already have these preconceived, you know, notions or ideas from the minute you picked that puppy when it was born, you know, all of a sudden that's going to be your best dog. So growing up and watching it, you know, come of age and do its job, you know, is it truly an honest perspective of what's going on or is it you're trying to make it live up to this hype that, you know, you have in mind for it. Like we all do, we all want a pack of rock stars, but you know, like I've got certain dogs, I guarantee you your test would absolutely fail. Could not handle it hands down. <laughs> I mean, they see a road sign sometimes like off on the side and those dogs are darting the other side of the truck and looking at it sideways, yeah. <laughs> but yet you put them on a Fox and it, it's a totally different story, yeah. but yeah. I know darn good and well, if I wanted to put them on a bear, I probably wouldn't have a vet bill, but I probably wouldn't have a bear at the end of the day either. Oh, that's you true. Know? Yeah. So, so it's so, so easy to get, as you say, kennel blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, and it's so easy to to. Uh, not sometimes people don't want to see the bad things in their dogs. Uh, I think they just want to see the best, uh, and they just take uh, take away the bad things. But yep. but uh, also, I tried with this mentality test. Um, I tried sometimes to put up a form for my own dog when I see my own dog through the test, and I'm, I'm a one of those that does the evaluation of the dog or other dogs uh, there. So I'm with three, four guys doing this. Um, and when I put up the result for my own dog, it's always wrong. Uh, when I see other dogs in the test, I agree with the other te- other leaders, uh, test leaders uh, every time. But mm-hmm. when I do it and for my own dog, it's, some, it's something, it's, many things are really wrong. And it's it's not like, it's just from what you say that you have uh, all the things you have in your back of your head from the small puppy all the way up to mm. one year, one and a half year old. All these things that you see at home affect what you, how you evaluate the result. Uh, Do you find yourself harder on your dogs? Like, are you harder on them in the evaluation or do you usually find they do you think they do better both, than the others? Both, 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 both really. Uh, some, yeah. some things I can do be much, I think it's much better than the test leaders actually think and, and the other, and the other way. So, uh, so that's both, but uh, it's never right. It's never right result. Uh, so that's, uh, that's just, just have to stop that uh, and just uh, let get the evaluation from somebody else. And that's very good with the hunting test, good with the mentality test. Right. You get some, objective uh, you have some some someone uh, somebody else that gives you a good opinion and evaluation of your dog and that's how you can work right work with it so have you ever put a dog through it bear or are you going to be putting one of your dogs through this evaluation um i never have no but i would uh, i would love to um i don't think i would do it with um with Vicky because I think she'd slip her collar and I'd never see her again. But um, do it with Buzz. <laughs> I might do it with. I, I I would be interested to see what Buzz would do. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think he's hard enough to be a to be a bear dog um, candidate in any way. But I, I would be interested to see what he would score on something on something like that. Um, that is he a hound? Is he a hound or 
He is, yeah. Buzz is a Buzz is a he's a mix between yeah. Halden and um, Russian. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's really the Haldens are almost yeah. the most fun to put in these tests because they they you can see what they think outside on the outside of the log every right. time. The, the like you have the like us the other the other they they, they try to conceal their, their body language. They have to try to conceal or hide away what they really think. So you can't see it that easy. But the hounds, yeah. they're always, it's always showing. <laughs> you can read. It's always showing. There's nothing that looks more surprised than a surprised hound. No, <laughs> no, that's true. That's, true. that's um, why I love them too, though. Like, yeah, of course. You know, you, you watch those uh, dogs and guys like us that spend a lot of time with our dogs. You pick up on those little cues here and there. And it's like, you know darn good and well, you just see that dog tick its ear just right. And you're like, man, she's going to go funky on me. She doesn't like <laughs> something. It's going to be, you know, rough. Or, you know, just these little nuances that these dogs have, they, they hold nothing back. You yeah. know, and I think that's the cool thing yeah. about hunting with hounds is it's so raw. I mean, that is just pure, that dog, it's mind. It's not hiding anything. It's not trying to trick you into thinking it's being oh, good. And really, it's going to go poop <laughs> in your slipper. Like, those dogs, right. you can read everything about them if you're willing to open your eyes and spend the time. I think it's more training in the houndsman to learn how to read that. You need an evaluation for houndsman. You, you oh, for sure. Sounds like bears getting ready to go through some of that. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to that because I mean that is that is definitely definitely. I mean, there's no question that the limited, the weakest link in the chain here is is me. You know, the dogs can naturally do so much so much more than I'm aware of, you know, and I'm learning so much about, you know, each of them as, as the, they get older, you know, the one, the one I'm so pleased with how well she's doing, but if you judged her based on, if you judged her based on really compared to a good hunting dog, it, she's, she wouldn't be that impressive, but knowing where she came from and kind of what she's managed to overcome. Mm -hmm to get to the place that she is now, I, I can appreciate that. However, my, you know, she's three and a half, four, whereas my, my pup is, you know, by the time he was nine months old, he had already surpassed her in virtually every way. And it was, it, 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 it's been really fascinating to follow that and try to learn from him. You know, in the beginning, I felt like it was, him learning from me, learning to come, learning to sit, you know, learning to not chase the cat. But now I, I feel like every time I go out with him, I learn something new, a new, a, a new cue, a new tick, a new something that, uh, you know, leaves me kind of scratching my head, trying to figure out what are the right things to take away from this. So, And it's tough with those young uh, dogs because like, let's say your older dog that, you, you know, you say he surpassed so fast, you know, you have that mm. older dog and in your mind, you're thinking, you know, this dog is going to help train this. Well, right. Everybody's breeding right. And everybody's training, right. I mean, the scale at which that pup should surpass, I mean, is different for everybody, but you know, used to, when my young dogs would get out in front, I would worry. Something is clearly wrong. You know, they can't be doing as well. <laughs> right blue here you know like it's uh and then you realize no those dogs are are learning at a faster rate 
they're more efficient at what they do sometimes just because age, I guess age is so much of a factor to some guys when really ability should be that factor. Just because a dog's a year old doesn't mean that it isn't better at something than say a dog that might have a hole that's a little older. And I think that's the hard, right. that's the hard apex. Like you've got to overcome that balance. Or like you said, you've got a three, four, absolutely. In my case, a six year old dog that really did not make the grade. He, you know, he, he was good enough to keep and I love him, but by no means would I rely on him. You know, we've got dogs that are far better. Um, so yeah. Right. But that buzz dog seems like he's he's coming on. I, I'm excited for you in next season. The... Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about that dog. And again, it it is so much of that is just natural. His natural ability to to his natural ability. You know, I, I try to. Yeah, basically, it's just me trying to stay out of the way and let him do his thing. I told a buddy the other day. You know, because uh, take your puppy to the woods. And be a taxi yep. and don't mess with it because it's doing things that it should do. Right. And it's not doing things it shouldn't do. Just don't mess with it. <laughs> yeah. The, the best that's advice true. I ever got getting into this hounds thing was from the breeder of Buzz. And he said, teach him to come, but make sure you're the most boring thing in the entire world. That makes sense. And he's like, then he's going to go. He's going to figure out what he's going to put him on fox tracks call him in you know make sure he knows how to come but make sure that he comes because you asked him to not but that he wants to be he there. really kind of wants to be doing something else yeah that makes sense and it's uh yeah i was um i actually were feeling pretty lucky i almost lost buzz uh last week cliff last sunday no not that one i had a fox uh I had a fox run off of a cliff to get away from Buzz here a couple of weeks ago. But no, I um, I took out a fox on a uh, on the outside of a clump of trees, and it bailed off into a ditch and ran the length of a field in the ditch. But Buzz had picked up that it had gone in the ditch, and he didn't follow it into the ditch. He stayed up above and ran flat out and caught it as it came out of the ditch. Um, <clears throat> but didn't totally know what to do with it, so he was he was hassling it. But the fox was uh, the fox was pretty angry, and when they so they'd been fighting a little bit when I got there, and um, the fox saw me, and Buzz had it down and was you know hassling him pretty well. The fox jumped up and ran the rest of the way down uh, down this ditch and started crisscrossing a frozen river, and Buzz was right after it the entire time and went through the ice. And by the time I got there, he managed, just as I got there, managed to pull himself up and took off after this fox again and got about 200 meters away from me, 200, 200 yards away from me. And then I saw, and then suddenly it got quiet again. And I could see on the GPS that he was in the middle of the river. Oh, no. So I ran for everything I was worth and got, got him out of there. I, I fished him out by the antenna of his Garmin. Hauled <laughs> him up onto stuff. the... Yeah, it was scary. He sort of he he was moving real slow at that point. Stood up, puked about a gallon of water, and then took off after the fox again. I kind of ended up having to tackle him and haul him kicking and screaming back to the car. 
because he was he was solidly hypothermic at that point. But uh, and yeah, I was uh, I was really counting my lucky stars going home with the same number of dogs I'd left with. Well, I'm glad he's okay. And we're yeah, gonna have to, maybe we'll have to have a follow up. I want to hear how Bear does on his course. <laughs> and now is there somewhere that we can all kind of go and see like do you have your evaluation online or your company if somebody was interested in in checking it out no not really not not the evaluation we have some descriptions of the test but the the evaluation is the donors so we we are have them in archive of course but but but, uh, not anything public really Uh, so that's i don't know if people really want them public uh, that's uh, a lot. A lot of the people coming there are a bit disappointed going back home. So I don't think they're too happy about having it public. Gotcha. Well, yeah. maybe uh, I'll probably regret making this uh, suggestion, <laughs> but maybe um, maybe I can do a little bit of filming. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe we can sit down after after I test after we test Buzz, and we can kind of go through it a little bit. Absolutely. And, uh, I can I can make my shame public there you go <laughs> yeah that's, that's what i tell all the people coming there they always have to remember that they're going home with the same dog as they brought there it's nothing it's yeah. not it hasn't happened anything it's still the same okay. dog even if you're a bit disappointed in the result it's still a dog it's still <laughs> usually it works fine for the for the fox hunting or for the uh, the, the, the easier kind of hunting but mm-hmm. even if you the want the bear dog hunting, sure yeah but of course <laughs> oh but the, the the fox hunting is the, the fox hunting is very good practice for uh, for many hounds. You have to do the cold tracks. You have to uh, chase it. You have to put it like you said. If you're trying to catch it, you have to stop it uh, sometimes. But you really have to work hard to get the the stop on a fox. It's not easy mm-hmm. uh, because they're really yeah. fast, really quick, and they're, they're they're moving away from the hounds really good. So so the hounds that can yeah. put a stop to a fox and just hold it there. That's uh, Sure. That's really that's that's a good thing. Yeah, then they're really fast uh, and really yeah, skilled if they can do that. That's it's much easier to get the the bigger the bigger carnivores to stop than the fox. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, that's for sure. Hmm. So, yeah, the race isn't quite so fast. It seems like you know as, as far as like when we were bear hunting. You know, your jumped race isn't usually as fast. You know, or I shouldn't say that. Let me, let me back that up. You can have a fast jump, but it's over quickly. They can overtake the bear, it seems like, faster than, mm. let's say, a jumped varmint. You know, that you're talking sometimes hours of jumped race where, you know, the bears, mm-hmm. they'll overtake them and they'll stop and, and they'll bay and they'll break. And, you know, it's still a long mm-hmm. run, but <clears throat> at least with my limited experience with bears uh, when we were hunting them, it was just a different kind of race. You did a lot more dynamic than just trail jump tree or or put mm-hmm. in a hole. You know, there there was a lot more that happens in that yeah. that intersection. The, the bears <laughs> are completely different, but but the, usually the small bears are quite they're much harder to get. They got Nikes to on. They get to stop to get them bait, so they're really fast. <laughs> so that's that's not easiest. But the the bigger bears are, as you say, they they pretty much. Quite quickly, if a fast a fast dog are quite quickly mm-hmm. uh, close to that bear, and usually it yeah, it stops, it walks, it runs a bit, it stops again, uh, stuff like that, and uh, yeah, 
the, those hundred pounders easy. though they, they like to run yeah. 100 125 oh, they run really favorite. Yeah. you know if you wanted to run all day you go find yourself a hundred pounder and and yeah. run you all over and take you sightseeing yeah so that's not, that what, is a, not what is a link a link run like like what what would that look like do they bay up pretty quick, or are they just moving and beating if, up on dogs? Like, what, if you how, can, how does that look like? uh, most of them are bay. Uh, most of them climb or or bay up at least. But uh, most of them are. Sometimes they climb a tree. Sometimes they go on the ground, uh, and sometimes they just stand on the ground, uh, standing there, holding the dogs away. But but the, the it's quite. If you have a flat flat terrain, you have a fast dog after it. Uh, or about hound most of the times it's uh, it's three four kilometers and there and you have have them stop pretty much they're much easier to get to stop really? than the fox mm-hmm. yeah but the That's bad thing the bad thing is that they're crazy much better to climb rock faces than the different the the, the rugged terrain the, the the bad terrain they use oh, it man. much better than the fox does because they, they just climb anywhere uh, so right and usually where we live. We have the big terrain. We have the the high rock faces and the and the yeah the, the hardest places to, to do the the lung something. Mm. And then it's not so easy. Mm. So so it's not it's uh, are the dogs able to follow the lynxes most of the it, time? It depends. Or? Sometimes sometimes it's impossible to follow, but but most time that's something that the, the hounds or the dogs have to 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 learn how to follow. Mm. And that doesn't mean follow the track. That means going around. Um, you see, when on. the track goes up somewhere, they have to go back. They have to go around the, the hill, trying mm. to get up somewhere else uh, to find the, their way and catch the links again. Uh, so that's yeah, that's something. Some hounds just have it from the start. Some never got mm. it um, and just stand there barking. And you see, uh, of course, it's probably dangerous to to. To talk about the, the the American breeds, but but a lot of the American hound breeds, the coon hounds, are are staying where the track ends, ended, uh, not going around. Especially right. we have a lot of plot plot hounds, especially, and they 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 they're supposed to stand where the track ends because usually there's something up a tree. But hmm. but when you have a sure. 500 meters rock face uh, and the links have climbed in the middle, uh, you never get the a plot to go around that rock face uh, and find the track on the top and continue. They stand barking for six hours at the at the bottom. Sure. <laughs> so, but that's how they're made and that's how what they're supposed to do. But but it doesn't always work as good uh, when we have really yeah the tough terrain. Uh, and sense. most of the yeah, most of the areas we hunt are are the tough terrain. So uh, it's not the easiest right. job. Uh, and I think maybe maybe ten percent of the the links we shot is up a tree uh, and the others are running still running when you shoot them hmm. really yeah they're they're, they're uh, getting their distance they're getting five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes head ahead of the dog and that that's really hard to catch to, to get them to catch up those 10 minutes that's 10 long yeah. minutes to catch up for for round so yeah that's the that's the problem when they first get a gap it's difficult to get the the fast the, the the pressure on them again. So, but if you ha- if you get them running, they can't really they they breathe. They, they don't have the lung capacity. So they they climb pretty quick. As it's a cat in mm-hmm. any way. Yeah. 
but but uh, as long as they can walk or or doing the trotting Skip but a bit, bit, bit faster but but not running not really running they can go all day okay. so you have to get them start running and then uh, yeah the fast the fast dogs have a big advantage if you should just get a few hundred meters fast and sometimes to climb up it's uh we have one we had one Leica that we shot a, quite a few links for and he was it was not the best hunting dog but but if you good if you gave him a good chance if you gave him a really good chance of links, he was the best. The best. Anyway, many times he treated he treated the links in two hundred meters mm. from from the wow. from where it was laying on the on the daytime where we found it, and two hundred meters and it's up a tree. It was crazy fast. I, I tried to really... measure measure on the GPS what what kind of speed he had. That was after a moose actually, but. But uh, <clears throat> the average speed for the first kilometers after a moose, we really have scared. Uh, we really walked out up on it, so it was running as fast as a moose can. He had 39 and a half kilometers an hour the first kilometer in the woodland, and wow. that's uh, yeah, almost 40 kilometers an hour. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that's uh, almost yeah, that's 27, 28 miles. Yeah, that's cooking. Yeah, that's quite fast for a kilometer in average speed, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and you could keep that speed for a long time. And that's not—it's not strained that the link goes up a tree when you, it's a flying Leica coming behind you, and you. Just, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, oh, that's uh, that's that's really good, and that's what we want with the hounds as well. We really want the really fast hounds. That's for the link hunting. We want mm-hmm. that, but but uh, right. maybe for for the fox hunting. Are the Russian Fleck hounds? Are they are they pretty fast? Yeah, most of the ones that I've met have been very fast, and that's why why I want them. Uh, and the, the the old one when he was on his on his best shape, he, he averaged the first hour uh, of running. He average speed was usually twenty three, twenty four, twenty five kilometers an hour. Uh, that was the average okay. speed for the first hour. So the wow. first season with him, I had no fox drives more than seven minutes. I think then they were underground. Wow, the longest the longest chase it yep. was seven minutes and then it was underground so that's uh that's crazy fast uh, yeah <laughs> we didn't have any terrier so that was not so good then uh, <laughs> but so you were shoveling yeah. oh no, no no just rock just rocks so there's no oh. no hope in shoveling so no uh, but but for links it's just what we want we want to really i think it's i think it's quite similar to the bobcats i don't i have never done the bobcats but that's i i what i've read them when 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 here it's mm-hmm. usually you get you get the fast dogs you get them freed or stopping much easier yeah once uh, they're on their feet I, and i don't have a lot of cat experience we caught one a couple weeks ago for that that vet hunt that we do but i don't usually target cat it's it's not my thing i try to hunt night so i'm not taking away from family time but like a bare ground cat a lot of times it, it doesn't it's like you're saying it's a short jump now you may trail for a long long time but i think mm-hmm. that's where you got to look at the trail as a different portion you know the actual jump race if you can get on them and stay under them the big difference you know every time a dog makes a lose like this cat we caught a couple weeks ago we had a solid 40 minute lose and ended up treeing at 300 yards from the lose in my eyes i'm thinking that cat should have just skippity doodad right right over the mountain, <laughs> skipped out and been gone, you know. But he had a full belly, 
so it didn't take a lot of pressure, you know, to, to put right. him up. He just wanted to climb. Yeah, full belly is that much easier. That's oh yeah, it looks like everything. All the basketball. It yeah, that's good. Huge. <laughs> then they can't do far. You know, I asked some of my buddies that run a lot more cats than me. I said, "What is the deal?" Because I was expecting, you know, like if we make a forty-minute lose on a fox, you can forget it. You're never going to catch it. You will never get back under it. Or better to go find another one or know where he's going to cut him off. But you're never going to take it from that point and and trail and cold trail that thing up and get it jumped again. You know, it's just I shouldn't say never. I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> right. No, but most times no. But yeah, and talking with Buddy too, you know, it seems like the lynx hunting and the bobcat hunting, it's fairly similar. I think so, yes. There's absolutely some similarities. Similarities. Uh, Maybe the bobcats, they're a bit smaller, so maybe there's sometimes they're even a bit faster, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but you see that uh, it's more and more walkers coming into Norway, uh, and and they have the speed. Most of them have the good speed. They have the they have the right right stuff. To, to do the yeah, good combination well. and we have the that's, what my, had, that's what my female is the, the four-year-old she's a running yeah. running walker yeah, yeah. Mm. so that's uh, i think that's that's more the good the good dogs for this and we have earlier we have had the red bone blue ticks this kind of coonouts that are yeah, a bit slower a bit heavier dogs maybe uh, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, and you see it's not they don't have the same skills for the for the links in the bad in the difficult terrain, and of course they maybe they're super for lions, maybe they're super for bears, maybe but but they really don't have the what it takes you, know, you need them to climb the highest rock faces. Every so maybe walkers hole. are. <laughs> that's, that's the way I look at it. Every one of them's got a hole somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't care if this hole if you have this hole because we never do that. So let's shift your energy over here. <laughs> yeah. When is the like, lynx hunting season in Norway? First of, Feb- first of February we start. Uh, and it's February and March uh, we can hunt them. But usually yeah. the quota is filled in the first three, four, or five days. And then no more. Yeah. So that's uh, intensive sure. now. How are the hounds able to handle, I mean, because Norway in February, March, that can be a lot of snow and awfully cold. Like, yeah. how are you... How are you? How are you sort of caring and dealing for dealing with the hounds um, in those kind of conditions? Uh, they have to. They just have to handle it. Uh, but that was that's how they lived uh, all year round. They used to the cold. Of course, at some point, if it's too crazy cold, you have to think about it. But but uh, mm-hmm. I think most. If you see the the mushers going doing the sled dogs, they they go anywhere. Uh, if it's forty below, it's still they go uh, so it's uh, oh yeah i mean the yeah so the the the, the huskies can handle yeah, it yeah dogs can handle it if they used it and they train for it i'm sure they can handle it yeah but but if you're not used to it of course it can be at least much more tiring from the, when it's really cold so but yeah. uh but usually it's not that cold in february it's uh, it could be but it's usually it's quite more normal temperatures but we have the heavy snow uh, in many areas and uh, that's why we want the, the big, the big hounds, the long legs, the big ones that can handle the snow better. Uh, yep. A lot, a lot of Nordic breeds aren't that big, uh, and mm-hmm. of course the, hunt, the hunting fashion in those can be crazy good, but it doesn't help if it's one meter of snow and you can just see the tail of the dog. 
it's not it doesn't help very much so it makes sense so that uh, then we have to choose some so that's why maybe maybe more a lot of people choosing the, the russian breeds or or some of the us the coonhounds or stuff like that that you want them really as as big as possible almost to, to do the snow yeah. good but um yeah. yeah well shoot we could we could keep you guys up all night what time is it where you're at we've been on here about an hour and a half it looks like yeah yeah, yeah. about 11:30. i'm sorry for keeping you guys up so late this is I... no this is this is fun i uh i can i could be dragging like when you first picked up the phones first thing you said is man you look tired i was so tired Bear and then we beat. started talking and now i'm like wide awake and feeling good i love talking dog no and that's the best part of this podcast you know and getting to talk with a lot of these guys and it's been so much fun to just hear different perspectives and, and different ways of hunting and ways of looking at it. It's, it's pretty cool. And we, we do get a lot of phone calls. Like I pick up the phone a lot of times, guys, Hey, thanks for the podcast. You know, we enjoy hearing the ones from overseas and it's, I think it's really cool. And, and Ivan, I really appreciate you coming on here with bear just to give us a different perspective. Because a lot of us, like I said, we, we won't necessarily go out looking for it, but there's so much value in what you guys have invested in your dogs and the wildlife management and things like that. And like your company, even, you know, with these evaluations in the school, I think it's really cool to bring it to light. And, and I just really appreciate you guys coming on and a special thanks to bear for setting it up. He's like our, our overseas oh, affiliate here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. And we want to follow up though. I want to hear how this training goes. I, I'm really interested to see. So Barry, your job is shoot video. Because I, I would like to see it. I think it's really okay. interesting, you know, that you guys make an effort to do that evaluation. I think that that is really cool because we're all doing it in our heads every time we go out, it seems yeah. like. But I, I'm looking forward right. to seeing that. So well, is there anything you guys wanted to cover? Well, I, I am awfully partial to that. Uh, I am awfully partial to that sort of train wreck aspect. The, the, the closing, the closing train wreck. We do need a train podcast. I love, I love those. <laughs> so, uh, how about it, Ivan? Absolutely, we can do that. Yeah. So tell us about uh, tell us about a run or a hunt you had where it just call it a major wreck. Or things just went way, 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 way wrong. What well, Rasmus ran a bear backwards all day, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that was his. <laughs> I think we've all been there. What? What's a? What's one that stands out in your mind? Oh yeah, it it a lot, a lot of to choose from. That's for sure. That's uh, uh, people would often ask me. I think uh, everything goes so good for you guys, and you're always successful and. Yeah, uh, you don't see all the days that is that it went the other way uh, because that's not what people remember remember or what's shown. So that's where where your dog gets a three inch stick up its nose, for example. For example, that's that's the other day. Uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> but I, luckily we found it straight away, so it could oh jeez back out. Uh, but yeah, uh, so no, but um, yeah, for if we take some examples from the links hunting, uh, we have had. Some days that really doesn't work out. We had uh, uh, three links that was lay, uh, staying upside or or just uh, yeah in a in a small area, and we we track them in the morning and see the tracks going in there, 
<clears throat> and we had absolutely controlled. It was fresh snow, three tracks in, no no one out. This should be a good chance. It was Cam quite high. steep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was quite steep on on one side, uh, rock face with small plateaus, but but uh, but um, <clears throat> not not so bad. So it should be possible. We were maybe twenty five guys standing around the area on their on their stands. Uh, we drove in the road uh, and started walking uh, because there's no road around the area, but we can walk from the end of the road and around the area there. Um, and maybe 15 guys started walking from the parking lot and the, in the end of the road and all the way around. Uh, okay, and the people, then it was too steep for the dogs at first there, so we, we just uh, walked the tracks from the from the three links following inside area. Um, and uh, climbing up the rock face higher and higher <clears throat> and coming out on the top and just underneath the top we can stay there, there but yeah, from the ledge where they've been laying down you can see the jumping down and from the from that place you could see straight down to the cars 180 meters straight down was the cars um, so we can see the see down to the road uh, quite easily um, and then, uh, yeah, the, we followed the tracks a bit more. It was still far too steep to to use the dogs, so we just tracked them uh, down. Uh, and the tracks going straight down to the parking lot and just across the parking lot because it wasn't sitting any stands at the parking lot at first. And oh, one of God. the cubs were up on the hood of one of the cars walking in the snow on, on the hood and going past. <laughs> just, that's just to show the finger for you. Like, uh, yeah, that's the big middle yeah. finger. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so that's, that's how, that's how links oh, is. That's, that's, the, that's the fun of hunting links because you, you never know how they're going to fool you this time. But they very often do. And yeah. they do these things you never thought they would do. They do. Uh, and that's, that's how... It's a cat in every, every way. They... <laughs> They, they figure it out. They they were laying there, seeing the fifteen guys walking from the cars, and noticing that nobody is sitting there. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, they were and in the clear. Think, oh yes, they have that's control. Awesome. And, and that's that's maybe that yeah, most times they have that control. Uh, that's maybe the only weakness you can say in links. I think it's uh, that sometimes they think they're a bit too confident. They're a bit hmm. too. They really think that they have have it under control. Uh, and they're not, uh, so they can get some really e easy situations sometimes. But uh, but uh, no, that's um, but that one got you. <laughs> that one got yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's one of many. I have many more. So oh, that's, that's uh, a good one. That's too funny. Oh man, yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. That's a pretty good ending there. We probably better wrap this up. Again, Ivan, thank you so much. The kitten, tra the kitten tracks on the hood, yeah. That's yeah, good, that, that's that, good it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> I mean, it, the thing is, is, you know, how many guys, I mean, a lot of our listeners are going to relate to that. Because, you know, you'll come back to your truck oh, and all of a sudden yeah. there's a cat track right behind it or something like that. And, <laughs> you know, like you said, those are the ones that people don't understand. It takes a hundred of those situations. Yeah. Sometimes for one to go right, it's, it's interesting. Oh, sure. But yeah, yeah, thank you guys very much. We'll have to do this again sometime down the road. Absolutely. It's been a that pleasure. would be great. And don't be easy on Bear. Thank you so much, Ivan. D don't be easy on him, Ivan. <laughs> no, no. everything. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I will. I will. All right. <laughs>